0: The Spin-off Podcast Network.
1: Tallow for lover. I'm Madeline Chapman, editor at The Spin-off. If you have the means, consider supporting our high-quality journalism by becoming a Spin-off member. Sign up now at thespinoff.co.nz/donate. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by Sparklab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about Sparklab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound.
0: you're listening to business is boring a podcast that reckons it's anything but business is boring is made by the spin-off with help from callaghan innovation new zealand's innovation agency here's your host simon Bell
1: coming from new zealand that is so important to keep in mind that what may seem pretty niche here can translate into a massive business overseas. It is the concept of Dr Paul Callahan who inspired Callahan Innovation. This idea that a hundred great companies doing tightly focused products with global ambitions could change our economy. Well today on the podcast we have exactly one of those companies. You might not have heard of Soft Tissue Repair but it is big business. It's highly focused healthcare where in this instance a company called Aroa uses materials from sheep stomachs that were previously a low-value commodity, and uses them to help provide the scaffolding for human bodies to repair wounds. It's remarkable stuff, and at great scale, more than 100 staff, patents around the world, FDA approval, and they've partnered with some huge healthcare players. The company is run from here by founder-CEO Dr Brian Ward, who started as a vet, went into Big Pharma, ran New Zealand Bio, and then got the idea to take animal tissue to repair human tissue. To tell the story of turning that idea into a great company, Dr. Brian Ward joins us now. Kelda, welcome. Great, it's great to be here. Thank you. Hey, so t- take us back to the beginning of, of your journey as a vet. How did that begin?
0: Yeah, so I went to Massey um, and trained there for five years, um, did a veterinary degree, and uh, when I graduated, I um, went into um, equine practice, so horse practice. Um, I did that for a couple of years, and then at the time I was uh, flatting with a product manager who worked for Cadbury, who seemed to be having a lot more fun than I was having, so I thought there was something wrong with this picture, so I left veterinary practice uh, and went and worked for a healthcare company here in New Zealand called Baxter Healthcare, and that was really the start of a change for me, moving from being a vet in practice to um a person uh, interested in healthcare, interested in pharmaceuticals and working in that industry.
1: I right. mean, that's remarkable because being a vet's kind of like being a doctor except you get no information, no one can tell you anything. <laughs> You've got right. to work a lot more stuff out yourself. So probably, is that, is that a head start moving into the world of healthcare delivery?
0: Yeah, it was. I mean, it was. Um, I mean, being a vet's all about observation. I think you learn a lot of good skills around observation. And so I think... That was a good basis. I had, you know, training as a vet, you learn medicine, you learn surgery. So you have a good grounding in the sort of fundamentals. So it translates quite well uh, to people. So for me, it was a great base, but there was a whole lot of stuff I didn't know. So I was, you know, moved into a commercial environment. Um, So, you know, I had to learn a lot about, you know, sales and marketing and financials and stuff like that. So that was quite a steep learning curve for me. And into the world of kind of big pharma, talk me through that journey and
1: and it taking you overseas, because it's kind of got a bit of a, a big pharma sounds kind of like, um, almost like a doomsday kind of, you know, big big doom and disaster kind of name,
0: but obviously delivering a lot of goodness for a lot of people as well. Yeah, and I think that's the great thing about the pharmaceutical and medical device uh, business is that You know, in the end, you are helping a huge number of people and the drugs that you get involved in, the devices that you get involved in, you know, they do an enormous amount of good. You know, often you hear the odd occasions where uh, they don't do good, but generally, you know, they do a lot of good for people. So in that sense, it's a hugely um, satisfying uh, and interesting uh, industry to work in. So I started here in New Zealand. I worked for Baxter for a couple of years, Um, and then moved to the UK and worked for Beecham. Um, And they were a a manufacturer of um, penicillins. Um, So, you know, a global company, you know, global reach, um, you know, fantastic experience. What brought you back to New Zealand? You know, it's one of those things that's typical for Kiwis. You know, we lived overseas for quite some time, you know, six or eight years, and um, we our first child, Tom, was born there. And at that stage, we decided, are we going to stay here forever? or were we going to make the move and move back to uh, New Zealand? And in the end, we decided to do that, and um, it ended up being a good move. Were you able to bring
1: the skills back? Like, what, what kind of work were you able to do here?
0: Yeah, so um, not really. I mean, I so I'd worked um, in a commercial role in business development, and, you know, coming back to New Zealand, those sorts of roles didn't exist here. So for me, it was quite a change. Um, I left industry and moved back, Uh, and we bought a couple of clinics in Hawke's Bay. And so, you know, my goal was to, you know, work in a clinic and, um, you know, see how that went professionally. Um, I did it for five, six years, and then decided that really wasn't me and decided that I wanted to make a change and get back into um, a more industrial job.
1: And what was the path
0: to NZ Bio? So I, um, when I left practice, we moved to Wellington, and... uh, I uh, worked for the Foundation for Research uh, as uh, economic investment manager there um, for about 18 months and during that time um, NZBIO was formed and I you know, knew a bunch of people that were involved in the formation of NZBIO and the role as CEO of NZBIO came up um, at that time. So, you know, I, I was offered that role and um, then took up that role and um was the CEO for NZ Bio for four years,
1: and what kind of work were you delivering there? And and how did you go from what was probably a, a pretty good top of the ladder job to then deciding to jump out into the world of starting a
0: super high risk startup? Yeah, well, that's the, I mean the interesting thing at that time was, um, you know, the bio, you know it, it was a time when we were trying to kickstart you know life science companies in New Zealand, and there was um, uh, groups of investors coming together um all of the infrastructure around what was needed to start um, biotech companies was beginning to come into place and so you know as the CEO of that organization, I was involved in pulling a lot of that together. Um, I mean for me personally it was great because it was a great way to network with people both uh, within New Zealand but also internationally and help bring those things into place. so at the time there was uh, several companies that were formed. I had, you know, close relationships with the people um, involved in the formation of those companies. That was inspirational to me in terms of being on the sideline and seeing those companies being formed. And I thought, you know, this looks great. I'd I'd love to have the opportunity to do this. So that was really the part of the genesis of the idea about, you know, around starting Aurora.
1: And how did you go about coming on the the actual idea for soft tissue repair, which it's pretty niche, is it? Would that be fair to say?
0: It is niche. I mean, healthcare is a wide range of um, different diseases, and all of them are quite niche in a way. Um, you know, I was, you know, I was intrigued by the fact that the companies that had succeeded in New Zealand were typically based off um, animal resources here, and so you know, there's been companies that have. Um, uh, harvested animal products for a range of different uses in pharmaceuticals. So that kind of intrigued me. I'd seen publications around this emerging use of uh, animal tissues in regenerative medicine and their ability to be able to um, provide a framework for soft tissue regeneration. And so that intrigued me. The fact that I was in New Zealand and we had such a large livestock industry, I'd had a background in veterinary science, Um, had been involved in pharma and medtech internationally. So all those sort of things came together um, to to give me the idea. Um, And so there was a number of different tissues that were being used. And so I essentially did a review of different tissue sources, looked for a tissue source that hadn't been patented, and um, then worked with the university to begin to develop that technology
1: hi i'm russell brown and i'll make a podcast for the spin-off called actually interesting those are also the initials of its topic artificial intelligence which is very interesting you can find us on your favorite podcast providers or on thespinoff.co.nz if you love the spin-off the best way to show it is to become part of the spin-off members this is the fund that helps us keep free and accessible to all without a paywall it also funds some of our most important and acclaimed journalism you can pay what you want, but for just $8 a month, you'll receive a package that includes our first book. Check it out through the spin-off. What exactly is the soft tissue repair? like? How do these um, animal tissues help yeah. rebuild uh, human tissue?
0: Yeah, so um, we typically uh, make products for wounds that are very, very difficult to repair, and typically what's happened is either the, the healing has stalled and it can't progress any further, or there's been a loss of a large amount of tissue and the body can't bridge the gap um, where that tissue has been lost. So what our technology does is it provides a framework for cells to move through and start to lay down new tissue. So it's an enabler of healing. And what's really cool about it is that um, if you process the animal tissue in the right way, it means that it's um, not rejected, by human, by by humans, uh, by the human immune system, and it essentially provides a template for the development of new tissue. So, wounds that would previously not heal or be very difficult to heal, you can heal those wounds with this type of technology.
1: And and I I saw in um, reading up on the, the products it's such a fascinating concept. That kind of it's things like um, that might not jump to mind in the first instance, like ulcers for diabetic people and the yes. like, which is. Yeah, so, so is that kind of what hard to treat or hard to get to means? Like,
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, so as you age, obviously your healing becomes more impaired. And some people that have particular disease states, they just it's very difficult for them to heal. So diabetics um, tend to be poor healers. People with vascular disease, um, people that have uh, metabolic diseases um, don't heal well either. So there's a range of people that just don't heal very well.
1: It's such a cool
0: play on the idea
1: of taking a primary industry and adding ip and that you know it doesn't get much more primary than selling bits of sheep overseas That's Which right New Zealand's exactly. got a bit yeah. of practice in yeah but then the biotech edge of it like are there any special applications that mean that that sheep tissues
0: are particularly good for this uh it's it's not so much the sheep tissue it's the uh structure of and, and the region that this tissue comes from, and what's within it that makes it good for healing. So, I mean, this particular tissue is fantastically good. And, you know, when I started the company, I had no idea of that. It's a little bit of luck, but it turns out that it's just laden with um, signals that attract cells, and it's very easy for cells to get into. So, you know I started the company on the idea that this tissue might be good. It's turned out to be a lot better than than I thought it would have been and so there's other tissues that are being used so that yes. kind
1: of the the area exists, mm. but I still imagine it's quite a process to go uh and actually build out the infrastructure required, the science the the, the kind of backing even to take on this kind of idea like what are people um yeah how do you get people behind you on an idea like that
0: yeah it's tricky i mean um, particularly in a uh, area like this because it's a regulated industry the time from starting the company to actually selling products is it's a long pathway so that's for us that was probably five years so for a good part of that you know investors weren't really sure is this a science experiment or is this actually building a company so um, early on it was about getting people that were patient enough that would stay the course and you know we were lucky when I first started the company I had a couple of angel investors that put in enough money for us to prove out the idea um, you know I'm I know a little bit about um, surgery and a little bit of science but I'm not a scientist so you know we had to employ some scientists. Um, you know we had a crew of 15 16 people in that first five years to develop the um, original technology um, we had to get it approved by the FDA so there's all the regulatory requirements that go behind that so for quite some time you know there was a lot of work that happened before we really started to see the fruits the fruits of our labor um, yeah so it's a long pathway
1: does it make it
0: easier or harder
1: when you're dealing with uh, tissues from one, one species and two humans. Like, does that does that add to the complexity, or is it always hard when you're dealing uh, with the
0: FDA? It's it's always hard when you're dealing with the FDA. There's a massive amount of information you have to provide to them. Um, using tissue from animals has some additional requirements because of you know potential for um, rejection or maybe disease transmission. So they have very stringent requirements that you have to meet. Um, there's no shortcuts, and they require you know, a massive amount of data to prove that your product does what it says, what you say it does.
1: We mentioned Paul Callahan in the intro, and yes. uh, you actually accessed some of the kind of predecessors of what Callahan Innovation is now to kind of outsource your science. Talk, talk me through that because I, I just love this idea of like you have an idea like this, which is, you know, it's it's not a trivial thing to achieve, but being able to kind of like pick up the blower and call some people and get some scientists in to help you deliver it. It's, it's quite a cool process.
0: Yeah, no, it's absolutely. I mean, for, when I started it, I mean, I started it as myself and a PhD student and um, I, you know, we didn't have anywhere to go in terms of a lab or anything like that. So um, I knew some people, at that, at that time it was industrial research. I knew some people that worked there, um, you know, had a meeting with the crew there, You know, they um, offered us some space to um, rent. Um, At that time, we also contracted in some of their scientists. So we had, you know, two or three of their scientists working for us at the beginning there. So it was almost like we were able to pull this thing together um, quite simply, really. Um, And they were fantastic supporters. I mean, they really um, did a lot to to help get us up and going. And, um, you know, over the time that we were there, we were were at IRL for four or five years, and... um, you know through that time you know they were incredibly supportive and we at various periods during the company's development they came in and um, provided you know expertise
1: because is it
0: hard to keep up the spirits on like a five-year journey like
1: that like i can imagine <laughs> like you know if you're in the area of commercializing you know science yeah. maybe all of it seems like it's running perfectly to schedule but you know how many barbecues you're going to over a five-year period and someone's saying what are you up to and you're like oh i'm Finding some tissue in the sheep to fix a ulcer in America. And the people that go, What do you what are you how's it going? You're like, well, I don't know yet.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, if if you've worked in an early stage technology company, there's typically more things going wrong than there are right. So there's always things that aren't working out. And I think, particularly in the first four or five years, there was a lot of that. So it just takes a huge amount of resilience and persistence to kind of to to find your way through that, you know, every six months you're working on a new challenge. And the first the first challenge is just like you know, can we, um, you know, can we make this thing? Can we make it at scale? Can we improve it works? You know, and there's a whole lot of incremental steps that you go through, and it's not till you stitch everything together that you actually know that you have something. So that process is. Um, yeah, certainly it's a long process, and it definitely takes uh, some perseverance to work your way through that. And there must be some great moments when
1: it, it's working. You know, what were the what were the oh, points where it, where yeah. it showed you that like you were on the right track?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we you know when you get the readout from some key experiments that you're doing, um, you know, and commercially. As you're progressing towards a commercial product and you're seeing interest from commercial partners, you know that's fantastic as well. So just a you know a series of both technical and commercial validation events along the way. I mean that's what provides the encouragement to um, to keep you going.
1: What was the big turning point with kind of signing up your first big international player? Because I imagine up until that point, you're probably just kind of a person with some, <laughs> some experiments going on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, signing up the first player for us was hugely important. Um, I think, you know, for everyone in the company up until then, we weren't really sure that we had something. Um, and it was that getting that commercial validation from somebody that knew the field really well um, was really important to us. Um, that one customer, you know, probably represented 30 failures as well in terms of kind of getting to that, getting to to doing that deal. So, um, you know, that was a huge, uh, that was huge for us. It was, um, it also was, you know, uh, a financing event for us as well. So it meant that, you know, it gave us the ability to live for another couple of years and uh, make some more progress. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was a relief. It was a huge relief uh, getting that first um, commercial deal across the line.
1: And when you're doing things like building out a new way, a, a new offer, a new product, and a market, mm. there's so much market education and so much building of infrastructure to actually yeah. do sales and yeah. and and support and all of that. How have you managed that from New Zealand, where you're still kind of headquartered and based, aren't you, as a company, with yeah. your major market being America and and now like looking into the rest of the world?
0: Yeah. So um, from day one, really, we never. We never thought that we were going to be able to build our own, initially build our own sales uh, infrastructure. So um, our goal was to do a partnership with a large um, global company and for them to be the sales and marketing um, arm of our company. And so that, you know, and, and our first deal was like that. You know, Hollister was the company. They initially did a North American deal and then it became a global deal. And so... It meant that we could focus on developing products, developing manufacturing, um, developing out all the quality part of the business that we needed to do, um, and then they would be responsible for um, sales and marketing. I mean, that was hugely helpful for us. I think if we were doing both together, it would have been incredibly challenging. Um, you know, subsequently, we did another deal with a company um, for, our surgical pro- for a range of surgical products same sort of structure they did the commercial um, side of things as well Um, and then more recently we've become involved in uh, sales and marketing in the US so um, that was a deal where we bought back our rights um, from Hollister and as part of that deal we um, uh, secured the sales team and so now we have you know 30 people based in the US um, you know working for us in the wound care business so you know, we've done it incrementally and sort of opportunistically in a way as well. Um, and you know, I think that's worked for us. I mean, it would have been hard to do the whole lot from the outset. How closely? I always love to
1: kind of ask this of people who have taken a completely fresh idea and and taken it from and and you know, first inception through to uh, to working like. How closely did you track to your business plan on on these things, uh, and and you know like um, how squiggly has yeah. it been, or is this where you this is this kind of where you expected you'd end up? Hundred plus
0: staff making it all here. Uh, I'd like to be able to say hundred <laughs> percent, but I'd be lying. Um, look, it's been you know it's kind of been roughly what we said we'd do. It's just taken a hell of a lot longer, you know. So I think um, uh, just. You know many of the technical and commercial challenges along the way they just take a long time to work through, and so um yeah, it's certainly been a s uh, it has been a squiggly line, you know we've kind of got to where we wanted to get to, but um yeah, it's definitely taken a lot longer
1: what's the what's the state like what's involved with building a biotech business of that capacity here with production research and development exporting? Yeah. Are there just people you can call up to come and work with you or do you have to kind of put the railway tracks ahead
0: of you as you, as you yeah, go along? you definitely have to build the capability a long way ahead of um, actually needing that full capacity. So, um, you know, we're, we're an interesting company in terms of people. You know, we have, it's a, I think in New Zealand we're 110, 120 people. We've got 27 nationalities. Um, a lot of people have come from all around the world. To work at AROA. so it's a very diverse, interesting group of people. Wide range of skills. Um, typically, people have a, some sort of technical background. Um, but yeah, it's been—it's um, certainly been a business where we've had to build, you know, a lot of capability and, you know, ahead of, you know, reaching full scale.
1: And what are the next plans? Like, is this something where? you know, there are way more
0: applications or where would you like to see Aroa grow to? Yeah, definitely. I mean, so the technology is has applications in many fields of um, surgery. And so, you know, we've, we're in, uh, you know, difficult to heal wounds in some areas of surgical repair. There's a wide range of other areas that we could also expand into. So we feel like we have a great foundation and we feel like we've just got started. Um, and you know, from the space, we feel like we can build a really large, you know, leading company from New Zealand. So, you know, it's a great springboard for this platform. And I think now that we have a US-based uh, sales organisation, you know, that's also gives us distribution into America. And what's it like for you as a leader in this, as there
1: are hugely different draws on your experience <laughs> and skills and time and challenges around getting something off the ground, getting yeah. it launched, and then a scale-up like this?
0: Yeah, look, my job's changed every year. You know, So my, the first year was very technical. The next couple of years, very commercial. It's obviously, I was very f- focused on specific tasks. Then now it's a much more general role. So I think you know my role seems to get it reinvented every 18 to 24 months. I mean, uh, if, for me, it's been great to grow up with the business in a way and to uh, – involved in many aspects of it my day-to-day is not so involved now in the detail of the business but um, you know it's a hugely interesting area you know uh, you the great thing about the industry we're in is there's a diverse mix of people Um, you're dealing with a whole wide spectrum of people um, all the time and I love that it's fun yeah it's really interesting and you're dealing with really smart people as well so it's great.
1: Once something's kind of working
0: it looks like you
1: know of course it was going to work you know but you know were there points along the way where people told you that it was not a clever idea to try this or or were you thought that it wouldn't it wouldn't get there
0: uh look there's been a few points like that i mean it always seemed like it was going to work it was more about having enough cash and being able to hang in long enough to get it to work so i think it was always feasible i think um you know, I think there's been a question mark around could you develop this kind of company from New Zealand and make it successful. I think we've proven that. Um, but yeah, there has been, you know, there's been a few points along the way where there's certainly been a degree of doubt, but also quite a lot of optimism that we could kind of push through that and and get done what we need to get done.
1: What advice do you give to people who, you know, are thinking of? Because um, it's a, it would have been a big. Jump in your career as well, out of uh, senior management and leadership and certainty into high risk biotech, uh, you you know, startup enterprise. What what advice do you give to people who have an itch to try and build a a, a great business like that?
0: Yeah, it's a tricky question. Um, I think it's I think you're right. It's it's very different from being in a large company, and I think it's hard to appreciate that. I certainly didn't appreciate how different it would be, you know, when I got involved in this. So. When you're in a large company, you're so much more secure. You know, you get paid every month. Um, uh, You know, you've got a whole lot of people around you that help you with things and a lot of infrastructure that you take for granted. And when you're in a small company, you have none of that. And so it's a lot more tenuous. Um, Yeah, it's definitely, you know, you need, uh, you definitely need to be able to hang in there and you definitely need to be able to um, be resourceful. And you need to be able to stay positive and kind of and, and make it work. I think the the wonderful thing is you really it's it's neat to be able to see um, see what your efforts lead to, and the wonderful thing about not being in a large company is you get to make decisions quickly. And you get to see progress quite quickly as well. So I think there's some really neat things about working in a small company. And now having done both, I'd always err towards small company than large company. I think it's just you can be so much more impactful uh in a small company. And um yeah, I think generally it's a lot more fun. So, you know, I, I would do it. I think um you definitely uh yeah, you definitely have to be in for the long haul. It always takes longer. And you've got to be prepared for that, but um, it can be hugely satisfying as well, and it's fun to grow a company.
1: And as a final thought, something that we we like to ask everyone is: having you know reached these milestones, that must have been really hard fought for. Like, what's your version of success? Like, what would be success for you to be able to look back on Aroa and see what you've
0: what you've made? Yeah, for me, um, you know, I think it's at a number of levels. I think. Um, you know, it's great to have been able to build a company that actually helps people and does, you know, improves people's lives, and so that's a hugely satisfying thing. I think, you know, from a company perspective, to build a sustaining uh, healthcare company in New Zealand that goes on and continues to be successful and as a platform for, um, you know, future growth, I think that would be uh, incredibly rewarding as well. So I think, you know, those two things are probably key for me.
1: Well, thank you so much for coming and sharing your story today. That's Dr. Brian Ward, who's the founder-CEO of Aroa Biosurgery. Thank you so much. Good. Thank you, Simon. Thank you very much to Tina for producing, and thank you very much for having us along and listening. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please do jump on board and give us a review on iTunes. Uh, And if you have any suggestions for people you'd like to hear from, jump onto Twitter and hit me up at Simon underscore pound. Cheers.
0: You've been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound. And brought to you by the Spin Off and Callahan Innovation.
1: From the Spin Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by Spark Lab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on Spark Lab, visit sparklab.co.nz Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice a copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekewusaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited, and of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns.
0: The Spin Off Podcast Network.